1: Welcome everybody to another edition of the Sportster Show. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with the thesportster.com. Uh, this is episode 15. We're going to be doing a recap of Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about AEW Fighter Fest Week 2. We've got Norman with us. He's going to join us in a couple seconds here. Uh, I just want to say prior to you listening to this podcast, I recorded from a separate microphone Due to some technical difficulties, so uh, I sound a little bit like a minute tunnel. So I appreciate you bearing with us during the show and uh, understanding that this will probably be a one off, and we'll see how it goes from here on in. But enjoy the show. Uh, we're going to be talking Raw, we're going to be talking AEW Fighter Fest 2, and uh, have a lot of fun. <laughs> everybody to another edition of the Sportster Show. My name is Jim Parsons as always here with Norman quarantin Norman how you doing bud?
2: Hey man I'm doing well how are you?
1: Good. Uh, we struggled a little bit to come up with a topic for this week. We're, we thought about some news items, we thought about you know some other. It's been a little slow in terms of like really developing stories, really big news items. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to cover Uh, raw and aew because there's plenty to talk about from both of those shows so we'll do a recap this week we'll kind of talk our winners and losers from monday night raw we'll talk our winners and losers from aew fighter fest week two and uh, see what each other thinks about the show
2: does that sound good to you sounds good to me man
1: all right well let's start with monday night raw um this monday they kind of had um a lot of matches logan paul's return kevin owens return um setting up SummerSlam for the most part but we're still a good week and change away as we record this it is now Wednesday so when most people hear this maybe it'll be Thursday so we're just over a week away from SummerSlam uh interesting show what was your overall and we'll get into some of the matches quite quickly here but what was your overall take would you consider this a winner of a show were you a little uh (laughs) You know, lackluster how did you take raw this I
2: like, raw i thought it was i thought i was bored honestly i find it kind of boring um there was a lot of stuff that didn't really sit well with me i think that we're like on the road to summer slam right it's like fast approaching and it doesn't this didn't feel like i don't know how many raws are left until summer slam one yeah right this yeah. didn't feel like the second to last raw before SummerSlam, right it just it was yeah it was just weird there was also like two um two there was like a disqualification and a count out finish immediately after like the, the following match there was like a comedy match uh yeah it was just all over the place uh, there was there was some good stuff which we'll get to but yeah overall i was just kind of bored and thought it was a little bit all over the place
1: to me i think this screams of just how maybe lackluster the actual pay per view is going to be you know, Roman right. Reigns and Brock Lesnar's the big one, and they were sort of trying to push Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair as maybe the second most important right. match on the card, but SummerSlam just doesn't feel like it's got that big marquee ticket feel to me. Uh, do you agree? Like, is this a show that so far seems kind of underwhelming?
2: I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's I feel like it doesn't, they, so they, they clearly are, have been trying to market for actually, you know, you could say they've been trying to do this for, for decades now, but SummerSlam has, they've been trying to market SummerSlam as like the next, not WrestleMania, but like the, the, but rest, but like a little bit below WrestleMania. Right. So it's like, they're huge, basically like WrestleMania, but in the summer. Um, And yeah, for some reason this year, I don't know, normally I feel like there's a little bit, it's a little bit more, a little bit more excitement in the air when SummerSlam's approaching. But yeah, something about it this year just does feel very, the build, the build's been lackluster. I don't know if everyone's distracted because of uh, other things that are going on within the company. Um, I don't know how much they've been sort of hamstrung by, you know, injuries and things like that. But yeah, there's just not doesn't I, and listen i'm sure the show the show could end up being very good right when expectations not typically with wwe when we say like the you know the card sucks uh ahead of time sometimes we get pleasantly surprised and they end up putting on a good show but yeah. um yeah the build-ups has not been fun
1: yeah i think some of it's injury i think some of it's just missing talent like you it, it's been rare to see both lesnar and roman reigns on tv in the same show right uh, austin theory or excuse me just theory. Uh, he's supposed to be wrestling Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship, but he's busy dealing with Dolph Ziggler. I'm not it's kind of a weird like we have our matches, but we're not really focused on our matches. It, it it's been like a really strange sort of build. So uh yeah, last time we talked about a pay-per-view for WWE, we said, Oh man, there's a lot of stars missing, but it turned out to be really good. So hopefully that's mm-hmm. the case with yeah. SummerSlam. But let's get into Raw a little bit and talk about how the show went down. Uh Bianca Belair. And Carmella started the week. Uh, they had a Raw Women's Championship match. Becky Lynch was ringside to watch this thing. Said whoever wins is going to face Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. Well, we we'll probably know that Bianca Belair is going to win this thing. Uh, for the most part, Carmella showed up okay. But then, for whatever reason, I guess she just pissed off Bianca Belair at the end. And she got this look on her face like, okay, I'm going to finish this now. And she did. Kissed uh, to yeah. death. And it was over. And uh, there was kind of Becky Lynch grabbing the belt when the match was over and disrespecting it and Bianca by dropping it on the mat in front of her and walking away. So uh, the match was okay. Uh, yeah, more competitive than I suppose we would have thought and the last mm-hmm. two times these women faced off because Carmella didn't get much offense in the last time but she did okay this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know good opening.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, for start, I guess it was a good opening match. I guess we we should maybe very quickly mention that Titus O'Neil actually opened the show with a very weird promo. That's true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we'll quickly just mention that for some reason Titus O'Neil delivered a promo at the top of the show, which very much felt like a PR move uh, and ended up just being really awkward and and weird. But yeah, I mean, the, the, to open, open, I think opening the match with a, opening the. the, the show with a women's match is, is, uh, is good. And, you know, it's always fun to see Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch is a huge star. I think Comella can be fun and enjoyable when she, you know, when she wants to be. So it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a complete dud. Um, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Bianca and Becky are going to have another good match though. So at SummerSlam, so that'd be good. Yeah.
1: Kamala is always surprisingly, not surprisingly, because I think to some people maybe, but she's a pretty good worker, you know, when she gets the chance yeah. to have, a match that's more than, you know, eight to 10 minutes long. She shows up like when you, put her, yeah. when you put her in a pay-per-view because you're running out of people to have as, you know, viable opposition, she does a good job. So she did a decent job uh, to open the show. Uh, of course, after the Titus O'Neill speech, which I'm assuming was because you can only trot Mitch McMahon out so many times um, to do that sort of thing. But yeah, it was an okay. Opening. Uh, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch makes sense for me. And throughout the show, they pumped this match. They showed a highlight reel, of their, you know, feud back and forth and things like that. It really seemed like they were trying to hammer home. There were two things for me and Raw that they really sort of tried to sell. One was the importance of the Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch match, and then the importance of next week's Raw, which is for Madison Square Garden. They're going mm-hmm. all out for that one. They're bringing in Roman Reigns, they're having Logan Paul host his own show. Um, there's and Roman and Rey Mysterio's 20 year anniversary is going to be on next week. So they were pushing that. And speaking of Rey Mysterio, he was second on the card against Damian Priest, and kind of loses uh, after Judgment Day really tries to convince Dominic that it's time to join the group. They beat Ray. They are about to destroy Ray with the chair. Dominic comes into the ring and says, hey, okay, I'll join you. Just, Just leave my dad alone. And they said, no, no, that's not how this works. And they blasted Dominic with the chair. Kind of a short segment that they just are like, confusing at first, but then they sort of explained it. They said, okay, well, no, this was a test, Dominic. You failed. We don't want you to just join because you think you should. We want you to want to join. You should have blasted your dad with the chair, not made us do it. And then Dom's like, no, I'm never going to do that. We're part of the family in a separate interview later. So I thought this was a little bit confusing and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all crammed together at first. And then they took some time to explain it. Do you think Dom turns on his dad? Like the way that this 20 year anniversary is going to be celebrated next week. It's at Madison Square Garden. It's a big show. They're really pushing this thing. Is this the moment you think that Dom maybe joins judgment day or turns on his dad?
2: Um, That would be a very bold booking decision. Um, And I, it would, it would, I don't know. I could, it would be in very, I'd be, I'd be very intrigued to see it happening. I don't know if I can actually see them pulling the trigger on that. I think. Um, I I I think it's pretty obvious that that you know the powers that be over at WWE are very sort of very taken with a with their father son tag team. Um, so I'd be surprised if they if they you know put put an end on put an end to that so soon. But um, yeah, I mean the Judgment Day stuff is uh I don't know, it's just not it's not. It's not working for me, man. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not doing, it's not doing a lot for me. I got to say. <laughs>
1: Since they removed edge from the group, it's they're certainly taken a step back and that's not to blame Finn Balor. I think the timing of Rhea Ripley's injury and having the surprise of edge re-removed and Finn Balor come in and Finn Balor's not the leader. He's just part of the group. Uh, they seem to be an afterthought on the show and they want people like Dom, who doesn't really make sense for that group. Mm-hmm. They're, identity is lost to me now right when you had edge Edge running that group you knew what it was Mm -hmm. now that finn Balor's in it and edge is gone and they're pitching for guys like dom i don't know what they are anymore and that that i think to me is the the big piece that's missing um we'll see if they add if dom does go into that group and i think the stage is set you know with the 20 year celebration but you could be right it might not happen it just seems like an odd fit why would you want dom in that yeah
2: exactly right yeah (laughs) i can think of um at least 30 other wrestlers that would be a better fit (laughs) for your group but you know yeah
1: yeah all right well we're moving on we're going to ezekiel versus seth rollins for whatever reason um seth rollins after attacking riddle ezekiel finds that quite offensive so he approaches Mm. seth rollins in the back and says hey what are you doing and then challenges seth rollins now i don't know if this match was previously scheduled uh but it just seemed to be impromptu like Ezekiel's now all of a sudden buddies with Riddle, who, by the way, this week, Kevin Owens sort of just dropped the whole I'm over the Ezekiel thing, which didn't make any sense to me at all. There was right. no close to this. They've been going at each other for, gotta be what, close to two months now? And right. Kevin Owens just does a KO show and he's like totally fine with it. Doesn't really mm-hmm. care too much. Um, the match was good. I thought they had to put on a good match. Seth Rollins picks up another important win here heading into SummerSlam against Riddle. And I think that matters but I didn't quite understand Kevin Owens just having really nothing to do. He's been gone for weeks and he comes back to a KO show seems to not care about Ezekiel anymore, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. And then you've got, um, you know, just really nothing going on here for two segments in a row sort of just seem like filler.
2: Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Filler. And then, yeah, you're right. Like, I think we might have even talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast when we were talking about the Ezekiel, Elias, Kevin Owens thing. And I think we might have even mentioned that like we, you know, they might have actually booked themselves into a corner with regards to how they were going to end this thing. And it turns out they're just not going to end it. They're just going to, you know, just going to ignore it. <laughs> and, and now Kevin Owens just suddenly doesn't care anymore or or whatever. So yeah, there definitely wasn't a satisfying conclusion to that that angle that was actually like pretty enjoyable. So that's disappointing. Um yeah, I guess Rollins needs a win before SummerSlam. So yeah, this was, I mean, filler, but I guess serviceable.
1: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that they couldn't find a better use for Kevin Owens. I understand that they didn't know that he was maybe going to be out, and they probably were going to finish this thing off somehow, and then going out of commission for a few weeks and coming back. And but I mean, you got to find something, right? Like, why not have a payoff and just have these two wrestle at SummerSlam or something? And maybe they'll still do that, but it doesn't seem like it based on Monday's interview. So. Unfortunate when you have a guy like Kevin Owens coming back and you can really make take advantage of the fact that he's returning and then you just ignore it. But mm. Omos I thought looked pretty good. He teamed with uh, MVP to face the Street Profits, which was originally uh, Angelo Dawkins versus Omos uh, turned into a DQ. I think this is the match you were talking about, right? And then um, Usos you know, come and join in to the tag another disqualification, so two kind of in a row. Oh, hang on. I think Omos actually lost the count-out, right? Count-out, then DQ. Is that how it went?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think right. I think you're right. I think this is a count-out, and then the next match is a DQ, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah, because yeah. the Usos interfered uh, and then brawled with the Street Profits uh, to close that segment. I thought Omos looked decent. Uh, he did pick up a loss here, I suppose, technically, by getting counted out, but I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he's getting better to me. Like I know it's small tiny little baby steps, but to me, Omos is, is sort of starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good sign. I like seeing MVP wrestle. We don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. The street profits Uso stuff's getting a little old to me. I think they need to have this match, make it a banger and then do whatever they're going to do with the street profits. Cause I yeah. think inevitably those two are going to split. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to get there.
2: Right. Yeah. They got to move on from the. Yeah. They got to move on from the Uso's and then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they wanna if they want these. They want the street profits to sort of stay together a little bit longer before they do the split. I don't know because, it, yeah, I mean they're definitely going to split them up, right? I just think there's too much potential in um in in Montez as a single star for, and I like, I like Angelo too, but I just think of the two of them. I think that uh, Montez has like the biggest, the bigger sort of top end there and I, I i can see him having if booked correctly and utilized properly uh having a really successful singles career so yeah you're i I agree that has to they gotta get there so i guess yeah they just gotta figure out when yeah
1: it, it'll be a good match i mean there's those two in the ring or those four in the ring is always a, a solid match so that'll be entertaining mm-hmm. uh aj styles fights theory uh coming up next i thought this was a good match Dolph ziggler's at ringside again We don't know why we don't know technically if he's a baby face. We think he is. And I saw somebody joke that, well, he's shaved. So he's a baby face, Um, (laughs) but he's there and super kicks theory, uh, theory gets counted out. So another count out. So now we've got a count out DQ and count out three matches in a row um what's the story with Ziggler why why do you think WWE has gone this direction I mean they're supposed mm-hmm. to be pushing this idea that Theory is going to defend or try to take the United States Championship away from Lashley while holding the money in the big briefcase mm-hmm. Now, all <laughs> of sudden Ziggler's involved in this yeah and I get that he could be the next opponent maybe put over Theory in the process but why do it now why do it two weeks before SummerSlam and not explain what's going on like we don't even know why ziggler is targeting theory
2: right yeah uh, it's weird and i feel like they do i feel like they've done this before right i feel like we had a little mini ziggler push uh immediately prior to SummerSlam a couple years ago didn't he also i think he um had a title match at SummerSlam, maybe against G- dean ambrose or someone like that few, yeah i remember what you talked about
1: who the opponent was but i remember them inserting him uh, right. he's done it with drew mcintyre before and other things yeah. like that, but they tend to when they need somebody that can jump into the main event and make it believable ziggler's your guy right
2: right yeah so i guess that i don't know i guess it seems like he's there just to to make theory look good at some point and maybe just yeah give theory the rub in some respect um which you know um yeah good for theory i guess <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. just seems a really weird timing to me
1: like Shouldn't they be selling the idea of Lashley versus Theory for SummerSlam but they're sort of just ignoring it like yeah how do you how do you sell the importance of that match when all you're doing is focusing on why Ziggler has turned babyface is not with Robert Roode and has this thing for Theory like
2: yeah it doesn't make sense dude it's it's yeah it's it's really st- bizarre booking and and I guess like maybe just for some cheap pops I guess cuz I think people people do like Ziggler and people do respond to uh like i guess i i, I guess he hasn't like it hasn't been confirmed that he's a baby face now or whatever like we haven't seen enough sort of evidence of that but when he did return and attacked you know theory or whatever it did seem like a, a baby face turn and people people did enjoy it you know it got people talking on social media and i think people in the arena on, on the night seem to enjoy it so i think maybe that's just what you do you just get ziggler around to get some pops
1: It'll be interesting to see if they describe or define or explain what's going on next week because they've got one more Raw before yeah. Summerslam. He's probably going to be on it. He's probably going to interfere with a match that Theory has, but we won't know why.
2: Oh, he's going to he- cut a promo. Ziggler will cut a promo and say something like, you know, oh, I see a lot of myself in 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 Theory, you know, and and yeah, and then that that will be that will be as as good as it gets, maybe
1: yeah well who knows but maybe maybe wwe will come through and actually explain why there's a thing here but they might not you know that's how this works wwe mm-hmm. tends to do this and has a quick match never really explains it doesn't give you a definition and then or a, a storyline or an origin story to it all and they just expect you to, to hop on board mm-hmm. okay let's move on to the next match which i thought was absolutely the craps, the worst part of raw for me oscar dana brook alexa bliss versus nikki ash Tamina and Dewdrop in a Swiss right. woman tag match, but the 24 seven title has not been suspended during this match. So out comes uh, Reggie who distracts Dana Brooke, Akira Tozawa pins him. And then you get the flood of title changes, Alexa bliss, Nikki, ASH um, Tamina. I mean, I'm missing people, but it eventually winds up back with Dana Brooke. Again, she runs off oscar uh taps out nikki ash for the win here this was a cluster you know what like this was just yeah. really really bad um i don't know like was it is it is it bad to you as it was to me
2: yeah yeah it was just a mess and it wasn't fun like a mess you can have a mess and it can be a fun mess this wasn't really that it was a stupid and i don't know cramming cramming six women into onto the card just so i don't know just so you can say that you've you know given them opportunities or whatever and then they have a two-minute match and yeah just hated it yeah well and
1: alexa bliss being involved here too not that i want to separate her from the other f- five women but uh she should be above this this isn't something that she should be uh trying to compete for the 24-7 title yeah. reggie and dana brooke and uh, reggie helping out a akira Tazawa, how does that make any sense like there's just it's so illogical and so silly. Um, yeah, that-
2: Oscar, Oscar shouldn't be anywhere near this either. Really, Oscar yeah. shouldn't be anywhere near it. And then, yeah, I don't even really. I don't think any of them should be. Really, I mean, maybe Tamina, me but yeah, I don't think it's fair on, yeah, on on any of them to have to be involved in in just cringe messes like that.
1: Uh, another segment that I don't know hit necessarily very well, but I will give them a little bit of credit here because. I believe the WWE universal live crowd really wanted to boo Logan Paul and somehow the Miz and Logan Paul managed to avoid that happening in the segment. So the Miz TV brings out Logan Paul, uh, Logan Paul calls him out, challenges him for SummerSlam. Miz doesn't want to says you haven't earned this. You're still a rookie singles match is a whole lot different than me being your tag partner at WrestleMania. So no. And then of course Logan Paul talks about his blueberries and his tiny little balls and, Miz Uh gets all upset and says, okay, fine. You're on. Uh, I accept. Logan Paul says he's going to host his own impulsive TV for next week at Madison square garden. So kudos to these two, because Logan Paul is the guy you want to boo real bad. And I, I don't know if WWE is going to find out the hard way next week that the fans don't want to cheer Logan Paul, but they managed to push this, kick this down the curb for another week. So We'll see. Um, Impulsive TV, don't know what that's going to look like, but it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for the fans to sort of chew Logan Paul up and spit him out. How badly do you think this goes for next week?
2: Uh, Man, (laughs) good question, because I don't know. So I'm not – it feels – it's just weird to try to book – I mean, I guess it kind of like so at least there's like kind of a story here going back to WrestleMania because the Miz obviously attacked Logan Paul after the match. Although why he did that, we don't really know, I guess, stealing attention from him or something like that. Um, Logan Paul's just so naturally unlikable and people don't like him. So it's just very interesting that they're trying to sort of push him as like a baby face. And I, I And totally, I don't actually think I think actually like him being involved with WWE and them signing him to a deal or whatever. I don't actually have any, I don't really have any issues with that. Um, I think, you know, I'm not positive that they're going to actually get a return on their investment in the way that they think they are. Um, But I can see why they've, why they've done that. But yeah, just trying to make him like a a white me baby face. I don't know if it's going to fly and it seems like, yeah, it seems like it's not going to,
1: Yeah. I'm I'm on board with you. I think that Logan Paul is a a decent decision. I get the -hmm. the appeal. He's a huge crossover star. He's got, he claims, and maybe he's right. The most uh, popular podcast in the world. Mm -hmm. He's got millions of subscribers. I mean, the guy brings in an audience, but like you said, he's naturally the guy you want to boo. And that may be just because of his past. Maybe it's because he's got a lot and people don't feel like he's working hard to get it. I don't know Mm -hmm. what the story is, but uh, they do want to boo them, So why not give the fans what they did it with Lacey Evans, give the fans what they want, let them boo the crap out of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this closed the show. So it was an interesting way to close raw. I, I think it was a risk because if it doesn't go the way they wanted it to go and is sort of teetering on maybe, you know, not panning out like they're hoping, I thought it was an interesting way to close the show overall. Um, if you had to rate the show out of five, what would you
2: give it? Out of five, probably like a 1.5, <laughs> maybe well, a one or two if I'm being generous, but yeah, well, I, didn't, I, I was, didn't like it.
1: I was kinder than you when I did my live show on Facebook after uh, I had given it a three. Uh, I called it very average, um, not great, not anything. The 24 stuff was the worst part. Nothing else was terrible. Just, nothing was good. You know, It wasn't like anything on it was just wonderful. And You're like, oh, that's memorable. It was a very forgettable Raw. Considering that they're trying to go to SummerSlam, and I thought, you know, not great. All right, let's move on to AEW's Fighter Fest Week Two, which, as we do this podcast right now, has ended a couple hours ago. Uh, I thought this was a much better show than Raw. There was mm-hmm. a lot of good in-ring action. A couple things that I wasn't totally on board with, but yeah, the card was set up to be the barbed wire everywhere match between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Uh, there was a match with John Moxley and Wheeler, U- Wheeler Universe as the best friends. Um, Christian Cage and Lusasaurus had a, I thing. the opening match though, Darby Allen and Brody King, I thought that might've been the best part of the entire show. Um, Darby Allen took a beating here. This is yeah. Brody King, just chopping him all around the arena, throwing him like crazy to the point where I got uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like that, especially the finisher pile driver where he kind of had him up
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: dropped him in like a, I don't know what it was like a razor's edge into a pile driver. Jeez. That's just it, that's iffy to me yeah like that, that just seems so risky yeah and i know darby allen doesn't seem to care but man oh man if that goes wrong even by an inch that's
2: there were there were quite a few power drivers on this show and you don't realize how because we don't see them in wwe wwe these days really um when you see them in aw that it's shocking right and then because there was a there's a, there was another match a little bit later where there was actually two the the best friends match there was two power drivers like r- one after the other and i winced man i winced like
1: yeah
2: they they pulled it off and 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 yeah i'm i'm and i'm glad that they did and it but yeah man it's just weird to see power drivers still um but yeah this match this opening match it was great i enjoyed it darby like what you were saying about darby he he has this like bizarre sort of talent where he always looks when he's taking like a big bump it looks like he's about to get seriously seriously hurt until the last millisecond and then he just turns whatever appendage or body part looks like it's about to get hurt into like the proper position right and then manages to avoid a serious injury he's just like made of rubber or something but yeah there was a few bumps in this match where i thought you know if he if he hadn't have sort of change position at the very last millisecond he would probably be in a wheelchair but yeah fun stuff fun stuff
1: (laughs) there was there was that one move where rody king grabs him by the belt and just flings him around into the ropes Mm -hmm. and i thought man that's reckless i mean maybe they know and maybe they're expecting it but i just Mm -hmm. thought holy moly that could go wrong and the pile drivers aren't just like Jerry Lawler pile drivers. These are pile drivers coming from a series of moves that turn into a pile driver. Like right, the one with best friends was off the corner and then Trent did a typical pile driver, but still like, you're right. There's a lot going on here where there's moving parts and everything has to go just perfectly um, to make it work. What's and the we story go- with Brody King? Like why, why do you think that they're pushing him so heavily? Like he seems He's still attached to House of Black and Malachi Black right. came out and they had this sort of stare down with Miro later. But mm-hmm. why Brody King? Why, why are they pushing him so that mean?
2: So, I mean, I've been a Brody King fan for years. Um, he he sort of, he was a sort of Southern, I live in Southern California and Brody was a Southern California independent stalwart for a long time. Still performs at PWG pretty regularly. Um, he's He's really... He's just really good, and he's he's just an absolute unit. He's kind of agile and spry despite his size. Um, in real life, a very 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 nice guy. Um, just really, I think he just has. I think he commands respect of the locker room just by having a, just by being a nice person and being talented. Um, and yeah, I think they just like a. I feel like Tony Khan just wants, just feels like pushing this. This big boy with loads of tattoos, which, you know, more power to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. The the end I thought the match was great. The end was a little bit much for me. You know, you got mm-hmm. stink come down and then he gets spit in the face and they beat yeah. And then Miro comes down. And I don't understand the connection there. Yeah, the
2: Miro thing. Was- so that was one of the things I didn't quite get. Like it's cool to see Miro and he got a big pop and all that. But I don't understand. It just didn't really make sense. He just showed up and then, you know, he's just mad at House of Black or whatever, which is, you know, if he's feeding with House of Black, so then I guess he's a baby face or something, which I guess it's easy to make mirror a baby just because he's so charismatic and people just are going to cheer him no matter what. Like even when he was a heel as TNT champ, people were cheering him the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't understand the connection. And yeah, so, I, but I, you know, I'm kind of intrigued, kind of intrigued to see to see where it goes for sure.
1: Yeah. We, we don't even know that they're going to oppose each other for all we know. They're going to join forces. Like, it'll you know, should should be really interesting to see how they, they turn that, but it did seem kind of out of the blue, especially when you're pushing the Sting and Darby Allen connection.
2: And I also, I wrote, I, I, over a year ago now, I wrote a feature about how I thought it was time for Sting and Darby Allen to part ways. Um, I don't know that. I don't, th- I don't, I think they've outgrown the need for each other. I don't think Sting, you know, I think Darby, Darby has already got the rub. He doesn't need, <laughs> he doesn't need Sting by his side much longer. And it's kind of like, I mean, the, 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 the relationship was always a little bit sort of, or the connection was always a little bit tenuous. It was just like, they're two guys who wear face paint. So let's put them together or whatever. Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't, I don't need to, I love Sting. I love Darby Allen. I don't think I need to see them as a duo much any longer, you know? Yeah. I'm with
1: you. Uh, we talked a little bit about best friends. Uh, Wheeler, Yuta, John Moxley pick up the win over that one. We don't need to go into that match, but we should talk a little bit about the Christian Cage and Luchasaurus uh, development. So, to me, great to have Jungle Boy back, but what are they doing? You know, like you've got weeks and weeks of building these two together. We don't exactly know why Luchasaurus has agreed to follow Christian's lead, but as soon as Jungle Boy shows up, he looks at him, steps aside, and let, lets Jungle Boy chase him down. So, yeah. I don't know if they just abandoned the Christian cage and Luchasaurus thing. If there's more, they're planning on explaining here. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that seem like an odd choice to you?
2: Yeah, I totally agree. So it's cool. It's cool to see jungle boy back. That was great. I, my, I don't, I wasn't well, fantasy booking, but in my mind they, I thought they were going to stretch this out for a little bit longer and have Christian be pulling the strings and be in command of Luchasaurus for longer and have, order luchasaurus to beat down jungle boy right until eventually we slow there's like a slow build and finally you know jungle boy is able to to sort of unindoctrinate luchasaurus and and turn him back to the good side or whatever so i thought we were going to get like a nice long sort of um long-term storytelling angle here um we might still get that right we don't know there wasn't any sort of embrace or or hugging or chatting between jungle boy and Luchasaurus. All he did was step aside. Um, so there, there's a way out there. Um, but yeah, I certainly was expecting a little bit more from, from this. Um, but yeah, it was fun to watch jungle boy chase Christian out through the crowd. <laughs>
1: Okay, uh, we'll keep moving. We're running a little low on time here both so we'll fly through until we get to this last match here but uh, Cole Carter faces for the FTW champion against uh, Ricky Starks. Cole Carter people don't know is kind of the guy that was in NXT just recently and was swimming with the fishes they made reference to it he was booted for failing a wellness test I think is what happened uh, quickly 30 seconds what did you think of Cole Carter's appearance in AEW.
2: I mean, he's young. He's got, a, he's got a lot of potential. Um, I thought it was cool to see him very interesting that he shows up so soon after being kicked out of WWE. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for him. What about FTR's
1: promo? I thought this was one of the biggest moments of the night, especially, uh, Dax. He, he talks about his daughter and fighting, uh, through the heart transplant or, you know, not having to have it, uh, things like that. I thought that was a really good promo setting up the Briscoes match for Saturday night for the ring of honor. Yeah. Um, was this one of the better promos that you've seen in a while?
2: Yeah. I loved it. FTR can do no wrong, especially Dax. He's, he's MVP. He's probably my MVP of the of 2022 in all of wrestling. I'm not going to lie. He's just been phenomenal. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, that Briscoe's rematch. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. For those that want to watch it, you'll have to subscribe or get the ring of honor uh, pay-per-view on Saturday, but it should be worth it. If anybody saw the first match between these two teams, Uh, it's definitely going to be a candidate for match of the year uh, for sure. And the second one should probably be just as good. These two teams, uh, they just have amazing chemistry together. Um, Let's jump all the way to the end, just for the sake of time, the Mm -hmm. barbed wire everywhere match uh, between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. I know what they were trying to do here. uh, And to me, it seemed like they wanted to sort of make up for the death match that Moxley and Eddie Kingston had. Yeah. Um, and it didn't work again to me. I didn't think this one was as good. I thought this scream of Jericho just sort of taking as many bumps and, you know, wailing away in the barbed wire as much as he could, uh, the end when they threw him off and Eddie Kingston loses here, which I'm not sure exactly why they did that. Yeah. Ridiculous. And then they throw Jericho into the, I don't know what you call it. The pit of barbed wire didn't, didn't land. Like I think it was supposed to, and they barely got a reaction from the crowd, what, mm-hmm. And then, of course, trying to get the guys out of the cage, she couldn't uh, take Conti couldn't open the lock. So they all just squeeze out of the bar. I mean, it just didn't, it missed on a bunch of levels for me. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I thought, so I, I would say that it was a chaotic mess. I can for the most part, I've kind of enjoyed it. I think Eddie Kingston is actually so charismatic that he can kind of turn segments that aren't good into slightly enjoyable, more enjoyable than they should be. But yeah, I totally agree with you. There were a lot of missed spots. It was kind of messy, Um, very, very overbooked way too much stuff going on. Not all of it was even relevant or made any sense. I guess we did have the Anna J turn, but it's like, they should have saved that for its own thing. That should have been like its own segment really, right? Because that's, I don't know, Anna J linking up with the Jericho Appreciation Society should be a bigger deal. And then but instead it was just kind of an afterthought in the middle of all this chaos. And then the cage thing, I mean, I don't like shark cage matches anyway. I think they're kind of stupid. It's like, can't they just be banned from ringside? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, then yeah, a lot of stuff went wrong. So it wasn't the best way to end the show, but luckily I think and if you're going to have Eddie Kingston stand tall, just have him win the match, you know?
1: Yeah. He was, he was clearly disappointed at the end of it all. Do you, do you think this match, it signifies to Tony Khan that maybe he needs to cut it out with these bar bar matches because every one they try to do tends not to go well. Like the explosions didn't work on the first one, right and mm-hmm. everybody just knocked AEW like crazy for it. This one I think is going to get run through the ring or two. It was better, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. Uh, it certainly didn't land. I think. Like yeah. Do you, you think Tony and AEW just says, you know what? Let's just screw these. Let's let's do something else.
2: Um. I think. I don't know. I would. I. I. Right, look, like, I, I really, really enjoy AEW and have done. You know, basically since they launched, I think they've been pretty consistent and put on some really quality shows. I do think that they should call it a little bit on the gimmick matches, like just kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Um, so yeah, and I and I don't, I can't, I can't actually see that happening. I think Tony Khan's pretty stubborn, but um, I don't know. We'll see. So if you had to rate
1: this show out of five, where would you mm-hmm. rate it?
2: I'd probably give this a three and a half, maybe a four, yeah, maybe three and a half. I say because the thing is with AEW, they've raised the bar so high, like the expectations are so high. So um, and they've been delivering pretty good shows lately. So this was I would say this was you know decent, definitely better than Raw.
1: Yeah, I I'll I'll give it something close, maybe just a, a slight edge over Raw 3.5. If I gave Raw three, I'll give this one a three point five, maybe three point seven five. I thought it was better than raw. Uh, there were mm-hmm. some misses on this show for sure, but the Brody King Darby Allen match was good. Um, mm-hmm. The FTR promo was great. I thought mm-hmm. this was a, a much better showing for them. I do have one more question before we close off the show though, because of this last match and the barbed wire and the blood and all that stuff, I can't help but think about what WWE is thinking about doing and turning their program into a TV 14 program for raw uh, quickly. Take a minute. What do you think is going to happen? Is this going to be a TV 14 show? Cause it's not official yet. And if it is, what are we going to
2: see? Yeah. You mean, do you mean just WWE moving forward in general? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a slow burn, right? I don't think we're going to, I don't think it's going to be like suddenly their TV thought 14 and then suddenly we're going to get like more violence and swearing or whatever. I think it's going to be a slow burn. I think, if anything, I think it probably just gives them a little bit more flexibility. I would imagine that they are going to keep the show as is and then take advantage of that tv 14 thing whenever they can you know for promos or blood here and there or whatever um i don't think we're going to see a big drastic overnight change though that's for sure
1: i think fans are expecting that that might be the case but i agree with you i think if they're going to do this it'll be a gradual move all of a sudden we'll we'll hear an s word here or something bomb there or whatever Uh, We might get some edgier angles. I think some of it's going to be maybe just touching on some societal stuff that they've avoided for the last two and a half years because Mm. of COVID and pandemic and people's wellness and all that other stuff. I think maybe they figure, well, maybe it's been enough time. We can go back there again in a little bit. So that could be what they do. I don't expect that we're going to see a barbed wire everywhere match in WWE uh, in a couple of weeks. I don't think you're going to see blood all over the place. Although maybe Cody Rhodes will be the first one to take advantage of it. We'll find (laughs) out. But yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll close her off there. I appreciate you coming on doing a recap of raw and AEW fighter fest week two Um, worries for everybody else. We appreciate you listening, download, subscribe, uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple podcasts, go to the sports.com check out all the winners and losers for both shows. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. I'll be on vacation, but I'm going to make some time just to uh, make sure we have another show. Norm. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. See ya.